Welcome to my mom's podcast. Hi, I'm Marisa Calderon, and you're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast. I'm capturing the early childhood journeys of educators, including discussions and strategies on best practices for children, birth through third grade, and sharing them here for you. Welcome, everybody, to another Early Childhood Journeys episode, and this one I feel like is especially special. Um, today, I'm happy to bring to you guys Dr. Um, Dr. Ortiz, I was going to say uh, Isela Garcia, Dr. Ortiz, Karen Ortiz from the Helios Education Foundation. And I wanted to kind of give some background about uh, my connection to Ms. Ortiz. So we were just talking about and kind of reminiscing about our work in the early childhood field, stemming back uh, my connection with Dr. Garcia and Dr. Ortiz's connection with her over 15 years. Um, we were talking about our connection with Amy Corvo, another early childhood advocate, and our what I call like our picketing days with uh, First Things First and those initiatives. And um, I hope it doesn't age us too much. <laughs> I want to say that we're still yeah. looking fly. Right. We're still looking good and doing uh, amazing work, and especially you, uh, Dr. Ortiz. Thank you. So uh, with that being said, tell me about your current position right here. At Helios Education Foundation, I'm the Vice President of Early Grade Success. So I have the wonderful opportunity to work with community partners and individuals around the aspect of the importance of language acquisition, early literacy for children and families birth to age eight. Tell me what you think is the biggest misconception about the work you do. I think there's a, a misconception both from a foundation and the way that it works and also from the field. Uh, about early um, child education. I think from the perspective of individuals working in the area of education, they look continuously at a more formalized system, um, looking at it as the perspective of kindergarten through 12th grade and then certainly into higher ed. And due to the fact that early childhood is a network of small businesses and family engagement, there's less of a system approach. So there's a perspective or a value place that it's less important because it doesn't have that taxpayer incentive. It doesn't yeah. have a network of aligned and coordinated um, uh, grades and uh, operations. But when you think about it, when you look at it and really begin to understand what happens within that space, it's the foundation for everything else. Yeah. It's the foundation for children's success. It's acknowledgement of families and the value of family plays in the development of their child's not only health, but their physical and cognitive ability. It's the respect of that family and that family's value and cultural heritage that comes forth and really creates the space for that child to develop. In the area of the foundation overall, there's this sense that we sit in an ivory tower and we come up with concocted ideas of how to really put out grants that may impact um, individuals in the field, but these are ideas that we generate on our own. Nothing could be further from the truth. Um, we generate ideas based on community needs and uh, what is 
seen as relevant in the area of policy or public will, what's relevant on a national stage. We do a lot of work uh, looking at what's relevant in the area of research and national conversations. And then we go out and really begin to work with our community partners to create something that's not only exciting, but will be impactful. Um, in the area on which I work, it's for families and children birth to AJ. Wow, that's amazing. I wanna, um, for our listeners that don't know who you are, I wanna give them a little bit of a background about you. How, do you remember, and I kinda of wanna go a little off uh, script here, do you remember how you got involved in early childhood? I do. Um, it's very clear because it's very personal. Yeah. And uh, I was never intending um, to end up in the field of early education. I was an RN for a number of years. I had come back to school and got my business degree, and I was working um, at a law firm, combining both my nursing background and my um, legal assistant background as a trajectory to moving into law school. I had taken the LSATs, and wow. I was set to go to law school um, in the fall. Uh, my child at that time, uh, my oldest, was a four-year-old in a child care center here in Arizona, and there was an event um, that changed my life forever. Uh, it was a health event that um, my child ended up being placed in the hospital for a number of months um, with an undiagnosed illness of which he was not very responsive. And uh, what we found out um, was that there was a contagion in the healthcare center that parents hadn't been informed about. Oh, wow. um, I became very vocal at that point. I became a very protective parent and called a number of state agencies, including the governor's office. And over a course of months, um, I was placed on uh, early child care boards as a parent advocate. Wow. And as that parent advocate, I realized this is meaningful. The work, the voice, bringing the, the, the parent's perspective to the table about um, either rules and regulations around early childhood education that exist or didn't exist was extremely important. And I was able at a very early stage to network with some incredible individuals. Uh, Nadine Mathis-Basha, uh, Evie Lieberman, Carol Kamen of Children's Action Alliance, Ellen Montaneri. Uh, these individuals set the pathway for me to become a grassroots advocate for early childhood education. So testifying at the legislature, um, uh, sharing a perspective from a parent point of view, and then becoming involved in public policy with Valley of the Sun Association for the Education of Young Children, and working you know, with that affiliate with the National Association for the Education of Young Children. So it was life-changing for me in a way that has allowed me to do something for the next 30 years that I totally and completely and wholeheartedly believe in, that the parent is critical to the element of success of their child overall. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think how lucky are we in the early childhood field and in our community because there might be um, perhaps an idea where funding that is given to programs are those decisions perhaps are done by 
sometimes people don't know who's making these decisions. So having someone like you in the field, you know, advocating for why we need to help fund certain, these uh, early childhood programs is critical to that. I feel so. I so for our listeners, you know, it's just not uh, being handed down uh, blindly. These are decisions that are being made by folks like Dr. Ortiz that have this vast experience. Our you know our parents. Um, and have a vested interest in early childhood. Right. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you, so you kind of didn't know, um, well, actually, so once you started doing the advocacy work, did you start working directly with children and families at any capacity? I didn't um, actually get in the classroom from a preschool point of view. I have done a number of teaching opportunities in high school um, and in middle school. I'm also um, adjunct faculty for a couple universities here yeah. in the state right now for early childhood education. But the path that um, I was able to take based on this uh, event with my son really allowed me to say, if I'm going to be an advocate for early childhood education, I feel like I need uh, to have degrees that supported that level of knowledge. So I went back to graduate school yeah. ultimately. And um, I mean, for me, I'm an ongoing student as well. And as I'm a parent also, <clears throat> I have a preschool child and a teenager. And I always joke that they're both kind of on the same de um, development right now <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with their way they yes. express themselves. So it's a double duty for me. But I was thinking and reflecting about your work in higher ed and being the adjunct faculty and perhaps if you had any advice for anybody that's coming up in the field and um, continuing their education, an aspiring preschool teacher or family advocate, you know, what would you say? Follow your dream, first of all, and I know that sounds trite, but it really, if you have a passion and you pursue that passion, it's going to make all the difference for you to be successful and for you to persevere. Uh, working and going to school and having a family life is super challenging. How did you, how did you balance that? Super challenging. Um, uh, my children would probably give you a different story, but <laughs> the story, the, the visual that I have um, that's most um, like in the forefront of my mind is I would come home from work, my children would be with me, we would all gather in my office, they would be doing homework on the floor, and I would be doing either my graduate work um, as I was pursuing my graduate degrees, or I would be shifting uh, from my seat at the computer to on the floor doing homework with them. But we stayed very connected um, in this area of um, everyone was a student at the same time. Yeah, and yeah. I think that for a parent that's probably listening, or even a, a, a early childhood educator that's you know a parent as well and going through the, your classes. I know I'm constantly at this where I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm role modeling. I'm role modeling right now. Right. I'm role modeling. You know, you exactly. gotta go to school, and <clears throat> we we all have homework tonight, <clears throat> and balancing that out. Um, that's great. What do you think about reflecting on our field right now? What would you see? What would you like to see more of? Uh, perhaps a, a shift in practice to improve it. Any suggestions for someone like me um, that's you know at a level where I'm, I am doing more direct interaction with teachers, um, where we are in the classroom? 
you know, parents as well, little ones, any, any suggestions for what you would like to see more of? I think um, as a field, each of us has an idea of what is important. We recognize that uh, certain aspects, whether it's parent engagement or professional development or curricula or specific learning environments, are all necessary and important to helping that child achieve and be successful. But what really makes a difference is when we begin to knit it all together. Yeah. When we recognize that what you bring to the table and what I bring and hundreds of other individuals, you don't have to give up any of that. But if you work in a coordinated and an aligned way, it creates a more seamless system for families to participate and for children to gain access to what it is that they would need to be successful. So I would like to see more acknowledgement of this aligned approach to what would create a better seamless system for families and children overall. Yeah, yeah, thank you. How, I mean, we talked a little bit about when you were multitasking your, um, pursuing your degree in parenting. How are you doing it now? How are you balancing your personal professional life? Um, so, tips. So, <laughs> if you have tips, I probably <laughs> could use those uh, overall. Because I know your work can be heavy. Yes. Um, I cover both Arizona and Florida with Helios Education Foundation. Um, I love it, by the way. It gives me the opportunity to see um, policies and funding streams in both states and find out where some of the um, trigger points are to, yeah. you know, tripping things up, making things a little bit easier or moving things along. Uh, the, the tips, I don't know if I have tips, to be honest with you. Um, I have had the advantage of having really solid colleagues all throughout mm -hmm. my work career that have been not just colleagues, but friends. And that has sustained me. Uh, when you think you can't go on, when you think you've made a total fool of yourself, when you think you've said things that are inappropriate or you haven't done your best, those friends have been the kind of the lifeline for me um, to keep me focused, to keep me moving forward. Um, always words of encouragement. So it's not just doing something you love, but surrounding yourself by individuals who believe in what you do or if they don't understand what you do, they're still supportive of who you are and your passion overall. That's great, that's great. And hopefully I'm gonna hear a little bit more about um, your personal stuff through our rapid fire questions. Okay. I have a little, okay. a couple of them. Um, any last comments or mentions before our little rapid fire questions? Um, I want to make sure that folks know how to connect with Helios Education Foundation. I'm going to put that information uh, on our show notes. Um, right now is the year of a lot of donation and philanthropy. Any last things you would like to mention for our listeners in regards to connecting them with Helios or just the initiatives that you're I would invite um, anyone interested in the work that Helios Education Foundation does specifically in the area of early grade success to take a look at our website. Um, I'm super excited about some of the funding opportunities that we've been able to do uh, here in Arizona as well as in Florida. And one of those projects in particular is our dual language learner project, which really, 
really is a strong research piece of which we're looking at how to assess a model that would embrace and uh, look at a second language as an asset rather than from a deficit for our youngest children. So it's respecting that family's culture, respecting their language, and really looking forward to the 21st century and the skills that our children will need to be successful in a global economy. And absolutely one of those would be um, having a second language. So our four and five-year-olds are being exposed to a second language. That's our English speakers are learning Spanish, our Spanish speakers are learning English, and we're hoping that this really embraces better literacy activities and better literacy outcomes overall. That's really exciting to hear that Helios is doing that, especially in our community here in Arizona, where we know that the, pop, the Spanish-speaking population is going to get bigger. Right. And so that means we need to serve those children and families. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, so let's do a little bit of rapid-fire questions. Nothing too um, um, difficult, I hope. But let's see. One of the questions I like to ask our guest is, is there a childhood memory um, where you were injured that you laugh about now? Yes. So um, I used to be a baton twirler. Oh, really? Yes. And I was doing, uh, this wasn't an injury per se to me, but it was an injury. That to, you caused? This was Yes, this was an injury <laughs> that I caused. So I was probably um, five, and we were doing a um, recital on stage. And if people are familiar with baton, it has rubber ends, both on, the, on yeah. each end. Um, as I was doing one of my twirls and flips, the rubber end came off, and my baton flew into um, the audience and struck a woman in the head. Oh. So I, <laughs> that has always been one of a very humiliating, embarrassing moment overall. But yes, that's that's, that's something from childhood that I recall vividly. That's great. What's a? Um, I know you mentioned that you travel a lot. I was traveling a lot this year, um, doing a lot of car drives. Um, for you, is there anything specific that you listen to? Do you listen to anything during your travels? Well, I am. Um, a or do you read? Very. I do read a lot, but um, I'm a very and a very. I have a very varied um, list of books that I read from. My music is also very eclectic. What do you? What do you? What's on your playlist right now? Your go-to. Uh, Stained Creed, Aerosmith, oh, Savage look Garden, at you. Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yes. That's great. Yes. Um, what's your favorite food? Uh, it would have to be um, some sort of seafood overall. Seafood. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the last thing is, um, do you remember your favorite early childhood game? This would be super challenging. Um, I would, this is a probably, activity. yeah, it probably, um, okay. How about this? What I'm if thinking about different activities I did, I lived in a very rural area. So my activities were what we created. Yes. Okay. So my very first, um, and, uh, well, what comes to mind is 
there was a farm um, with lots of land and there was a culvert that the cows would walk through to get from one pasture to another. And we created a whole uh, story around this tunnel and we called it Chipmunk Tunnel. <laughs> and we had different uh, games and characters that we acted out. I was raised next door to my uncle who was two years older. So uh, we created all sorts of mythical creatures and um, different types of drama that uh, we were able to use that farmer's land and that culvert to do you, produce. Do you ever look back at your early childhood and use some of those experiences to do your work now? I think about what really motivated me um, to move forward and what excited me about being in school. And I try to embrace that um, as I move forward and create grants and create projects for individuals. Thank you so much, Dr. Ortiz. You're welcome. Thank you for, Thank you for coming on. Welcome. Thanks again for listening to this podcast with Dr. Karen Ortiz from the Helios Education Foundation. I really felt like when I was reflecting back on the conversation, listening to it again, I loved the um, piece about her starting to be an advocate for early childhood as a parent. You know, if it wasn't for that incident with her child, who knows what her path could have taken her, right? So oftentimes I think about as parents, sometimes we think that maybe our voice isn't heard or isn't valid and how critical this, that this story is that it is. Your voice is important, and as a parent, you're the expert on your kid. And advocating for quality care, you know, for their health is important. And how just being involved in maybe a certain um, group or board, you know, can lead to so much more. We have those opportunities here in Arizona, and I'm sure you have them in your own communities. But just another example of how parent advocacy is so critical uh, for early childhood. If you want to learn more about the Helios Education Foundation, make sure you check out their website at helios.org, and that's H-E-L-I-O-S.org. Also, if you want to know about the upcoming podcast or catching up on some previous podcasts, you can check out our website at earlychildhoodjourneys.com. And make sure you share and subscribe and like um, this episode wherever you listen to the podcast. Thanks.